Welcome to The Thought Podcast. Today, a podcast host, a pastor, an environmentalist, theologian, social activist and author walk into a bar and the host asks, what has God got to say about climate change? A quick note, the environmentalist, the theologian, the social activist and the author are all the same person, which sounds impossible but it's actually just really impressive. Second note, it's not actually a bar, it's my kitchen, but it contains beer and good company, so it's close enough. Welcome to the Thought Bar. I'm afraid you'll have to buy your own drinks. My name's Louise and I've made it all the way to episode two as your host, which is my longest streak ever on a podcast. And I'm joined also having made it to episode two by Andy Wadhams, a pastor of Gallery Church in Birmingham. Say hello. Hello. How do you feel about having made it to episode two? It's brilliant. I've put it on my uh, link tree there that I'm resident on a podcast, which is just wonderful. It was a dream, really, when I was four years old. (laughs) Maintaining that 100% hit right there. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, We also have a guest, uh, just as before, somewhat more qualified than uh, us two to talk about today's topic. Uh, Dr. Ruth Valerio, environmentalist, theologian, social activist and author. Yes, I've read the website. (laughs) Uh, Ruth. I started reading your books alongside some sci-fi about lesbian vampires in space. So I'm going to try <laughs> and hold the two separately. Fabulous. No, uh, this is your challenge. <laughs> My challenge. <laughs> to, bring them, like... <laughs> to bring them in together. Would you like to talk about the environmental impact of vampires in space? Yeah, no, I'd, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> it's, it's a growing conversation, it's a, isn't it? It's a growing it conversation, yeah. I like it's a new area. Yeah. There's many factors. <laughs> Uh, Ruth, you are Tier Fund's Director of Global Advocacy and Influencing. So to start with, can you tell us a bit about who Tier Fund are? Let me just start by saying hello. It's really nice to be doing this and I feel very privileged to also have made it to the second podcast and to be your second (laughs) guest. So thank you. Tier Fund is a Christian relief and development and advocacy organisation We work in about 50 countries uh, around the world, working in some of the poorest communities in the world. And we work very much through and with and alongside local churches to see people lift themselves out of poverty and live transformed lives, really with the aim of helping people achieve their full potential in Christ. So we do a whole range of work, um, humanitarian relief, you know, some of the things you've, you will have seen in Ukraine and then working in some of the more obviously humanitarian situations like Yemen and mm. Syria and Iraq and those kind of places, South Sudan. And then also community development work, you know, maybe around water and sanitation and health and um, and we do a lot of advocacy work, so complementing and working alongside our community programme work. We are then also advocating on the big issues that cause poverty in the first place. Mm. So climate change is one of those big things. And we do that kind of at a global level to governments and businesses but also very much are involved with the communities that we're working with, helping them to lift their voices and to speak out and to speak to their governments and local authorities. Wow. So a lot of work around that. All round good eggs. Yeah, Tierfund's brilliant. I'm so privileged <laughs> yeah. to work for them Yeah, yeah and to wow. be a part of them. They're great. Yeah, lots of people listening now are thinking, what am I doing with my life? 
um, off the back of that wonderful list there. What, is, what am I doing in my life? You know, so great stuff, really good stuff going on there. Amazing. Mm. And so within all of that, there's a lot going on. What is your role? What does that title mean? What is that title again? What, yeah, is, that? what is that title? Yeah. <laughs> Global Advocacy and Influencing. The yeah, only influencer. reason I took on the job was so I could have a title yeah. like that. Are you on TikTok with that kind of title? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a silly title. It's basically, um, I'm the director of a group that has a range of different teams in it. A, a lot of it is around the advocacy side, doing the kind of thing I was just talking mm. about. So both advocating at that big global level and then working to resource and help communities to be advocates too. Um, and I oversee the theology work that happens within Tear Fund and our media team and a range of other teams that I won't go into. But it's a collection of teams that is really has as its focus inspiring the church and equipping the church for integral mission to be responding to the poverty needs that are in, in our communities. Amazing. Incredible work. And now, time for a game. Today we're playing Is It Good? I'm going to give you some objects and I want one of you to argue why it's good and one of you to argue why it's okay. evil. Mm. So, Ruth, you are team good. You see the good in everything. Everything Splendid. is wonderful. Okay. okay. Andy, team also evil. Also team good. Team evil. <laughs> no, everything team... is awful. Oh, right. The opposite of the song from the Lego. That exactly came in. <laughs> everything came in is my... awful. I was just about to start singing that and you okay. got there before me. <laughs> well, it's because you're on team good, I'll tell you that. Anyway. Right, okay. Okay, so your first object is a maple leaf. Oh, well, what could possibly be bad about a maple leaf? Well, quite. Would a you maple like to start? leaf <laughs> is beautiful. It's the symbol of Canada, which many people love Canada. So, for all Canadians out there, it's a very good leaf. Um, and no looking things up. Uh, Mr. Andy. <laughs> I'm making notes. My, my wit. I just need to make notes. Um, it's, it's a leaf. So that in itself is good because it absorbs carbon and breathes out oxygen. Oh, no, I'm buried. So... <laughs> I'm so buried with this. So it's, so it's physically helping us to survive. And it's helping us, those of us who love maple syrup, because it comes, obviously, that's where we get maple syrup from, from the sap. Um, and it's aesthetically wonderful for our well-being because maple leaves turn a gorgeous colour during the autumn. Do, how do you know that off the top of your head? What colour? Just a lovely autumn well, colour? Well, it's one of the trees that turns, you know, in it's Canada you have those amazing fall colours. Oh, all right, OK. Maple okay. is one of those trees. Well, I think that's the end of me, really. I mean, I was <laughs> I'm very pleased I got the good on that. I don't think I can think of anything evil for that. Yeah, well, they are, they are a problem, actually. Um, and I've been speaking with local council representatives and traffic safety experts, and the leaves are just so massive, you know, that actually small families of rodents are living under them. They're creating tent villages with these leaves. And it, the problem all roots back to the maple leaf, really. And if we didn't have the maple leaf, how could we possibly support this rodent population, which are a nuisance? Also, also, I'll just say this. When you're driving down the road and there's wet maple leaves everywhere, that's the end of that. You might as well start filling in your insurance claim right now because when you break, it's skidding all over the place. Leaves on the line. L leaves on the line. <laughs> Very good, yes. And final point of the three-point reason why maple leaves are evil, and which we all agree now probably because of the compelling argument I'm putting forward, 
is um, the name. Um, and the name itself there, you with pancakes, you think, oh, I'll tell you what I'll put on there, maple syrup, and you mentioned that, yes. But you can't just put a maple leaf on there, not even in a way of salad. And so I think for all of those reasons, it's horrendously evil. Uh, the maple leaf, let's get rid of it. Let's start a campaign. Hashtag no maple leaves. A hashtag, no. <laughs> I don't even believe myself, if I'm no. honest. No. And no, I, no. Think that I think the killer point, actually, for the good of maple leaves... Oh, here leaves, we go. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've already got it, if I'm honest. ..is that they are just one letter away from Miss Marple. Oh. And who can argue against Miss Marple? Who can argue against Miss Marple? You know, I was about to give you Poirot, both a point. Maybe. One for Poirot. being right and one for being creative. And I just, no, Ruth and I got a creativity point as well, oh, so that's 2-1. Can, can I have a, a I participation think... achievement, maybe? You know, is there something going out there? A certificate at the end. I think you did very well. I couldn't have thought of that. <laughs> yeah. It, well, if I had a moment more time, I'd have looked into... Um... No, I wouldn't have. It's quite bleak. But uh, deaths caused by slippy leaves. Um, yeah. yeah, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, number two. There's Probably, another one. There's, there's three. <laughs> How many do people want to listen to? Well, we'll find out. Chris will make that decision in the edit. We, I mean, we've said there's three. If you're listening and, and there was only one, yeah. you know what's happened. Well, let's do a couple of versions. Yeah, there's two of these. <laughs> no, it was just the one. Um, okay. <laughs> we decided it was just the one. <laughs> uh, number two, electric cars. Oh, well, that's a very good one for both good and bad. Um, and actually, it's very on point for me because I literally picked up an electric car. Not not literally picked up an electric car. <laughs> Super strong. Wow. Because I got picked up um, a new electric car. What day are we today? Well, whenever, just a few days ago. So I've had electric cars now for five years. And I've just upgraded to to one the, to the sort of latest one. They are great because they get us off fossil fuels, and we need to do that because of the climate crisis, and we need to do that because of our cost of living crisis. Um, filling your battery up with electricity costs a huge amount less than filling your petrol tank up with petrol or diesel, so it works out financially really well. And they're quiet, so anyone who lives near noisy li lives near noisy roads, mm. you won't get that anymore once we're all in electric cars. And of course, all of the pollution that comes from our exhaust, you won't get either. Being a non-scientist uh, and having no nothing to say really about that realm, except it is it is good to get off the fossil fuels. Um, <laughs> said like a man who's finally given up cigarettes. It, it's been good to get off the fossil fuels, if I'm honest. Anyway, the two reasons I would say are they're quiet. So having driven a hybrid car ooh, ooh. for the last few years, it's an absolute nightmare in car parks and people just wandering around. Before, you could just go for a big rev, say, hello, car here, you know, I'm going driving in a car park full of cars, and you could passively, aggressively say, but now if I do that, I just run them over. I just put my foot down and run them over. <laughs> yep. So I can't do that. So I'm left with the choice of beeping the horn, which is a lot for someone just walking slowly in front of you, really, or winding down the window and coughing, which is what we use in a library <laughs> if someone's in the way. So it's made that whole part of life so, so, so difficult. And uh, that's the main reason why the evil of electric cars, they're just <laughs> so quiet. I did have another one, but I've forgotten to write it down. <laughs> My new one, actually, um, now makes a noise when it reverses. 
Ah. So it's heard, and you can switch something on that doesn't make a noise when it's going under a certain miles, oh, miles yes. per hour. Yes, and I heard that this is a great little... This is the kind of thing podcasts are made for. I heard that Jaguar, other car companies are available, but they may not have made this following mistake, spent two years working on sounds that were appropriate to add because right. of what I've been talking about. So then they trialled the sounds. They added the sounds, they trialled mm. the sounds... And when they used them, they found that members of the public, having heard these sounds, they heard them good, but they looked up for an aeroplane. Oh. <laughs> so after all of that research, you've got people going, oh, there's an aeroplane oh. above, and there's a car still going, I'm here, please listen to me. <laughs> there we are. So, um, yeah, the sounds are a challenge, actually. I think we're right, aren't we here? Ruth is coming over to my side. These are definitely evil things. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely are not. I can point out some of the problems with them, but compared to the cars that most of us are driving at yeah. the moment, they are the best thing and I can tell you when you do finally make the switch to an electric car yeah. which all of us will fairly soon yeah. you will drive it and you will think why did I not do this before why did I stay with my petrol car this is crazy they are so they nice are. to drive they are we've got a hybrid and the, even the gears alone it's just very relaxed isn't yeah. it? the whole thing is very relaxed yep. w one other evil I mean we're really extremely sound now <laughs> but people can't fix them you know what I mean? Yeah, but, um, well, mine never breaks, so oh. it doesn't need fixing. I mean, if oh, we want to... If we want to look... Because <laughs> they're really well made. If you want to look at an evil, it, you need to look at the resources that go into the batteries. Well, this and is it. This that's... is where... This is, yeah, this is, keeping, it, keeping, it, <laughs> keeping it as a light-hearted introduction. Yeah. yeah, you're right. There's, uh, there's a massive resource going into that. Yeah. And where, where that's all coming from, those question yeah. marks. But I think you're right to stay on the, the headlines, which is, you know, it's better. Yes, it's an it is. And I it's think progress. the main point from all of that is that even if something is good, nothing comes from nowhere. Everything has consumed some level of resources. Yes. Even a maple leaf. Even a maple leaf. <laughs> and it has, and that's, that adds to the evil of the maple leaf. <laughs> Just greedy for sunlight and water. <laughs> Just taking it all, that photosynthesis vibe. <laughs> we could learn a lot, actually, couldn't we, from the maple leaf there? Anyway. All right. On. I'm awarding the point to Ruth again, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see what we can do with uh, item number three here. All right, give me a chance, come okay. on. You can do this, Andy, I believe in you. I mean, what, what about a world dictator? Can we switch this on its head? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can I argue that they are evil? <laughs> <laughs> so, item number three, the greatest good or evil, the elastic band. Oh. Well clearly does a lot of good because were it not for elastic bands my post would be all over the place and just scattered and how could I possibly pick it all up from the floor in different places were it not actually together so how post people survived without plastic bands for most of the time of the post office is beyond me. I mean, really, my postal experience has been transformed now that it comes with plastic, with um, rubber bands. Um, and I just love rubber bands because they're perfect for shooting at people. And where, where would school life be if you didn't have rubber bands to shoot at the person in front of you? Uh, I can use them to put my hair back. Very Just good. so many, so many wonderful things. So rubber bands. Very they, good. They are good to go. Oh, I'm in real trouble again here on and out. <clears throat> okay, let me take you back. <laughs> it's 19... 
95. <laughs> and there's a young boy, and he's at school, and he's got an elastic band in his hand, and he does a thing where he points his finger and pulls it back, because that's mm. more accurate. I wouldn't know, I just read about that. And he's about to fire it, and a teacher yells across the classroom, you'll have someone's eye out with that, which, of course, we all know of the eons of time of UK schoolship is absolutely foundational, along with PSHCE, awkward sex education lessons, and, uh, and PE in the cold. Okay, so it's, it's, and I think without elastic bands, you don't, we're gonna lose, we're gonna lose, it's very important, we're gonna lose, you're gonna have someone's eye out with that, and so we need to make sure that plastic ba elastic bands are banned. And in other news, I actually was a postman <laughs> well, for two years. <laughs> and I have, I can tell you the other side of the story um, from these elastic bands. One, they get dropped all over the pavements causing danger to walking animals and smaller children as they, they drop their feet. <laughs> yes, so I, not me, I was conscientious. I would finish the post with the plastic bands all up my arm. Some just threw them on the floor and that was naughty and we often got told off for that. Um, and I've got nothing else to say about them being evil except for their unbelievable weight when rolled into a ball. And I would say it was dangerous because they're so bouncy as well. So they're oh, evil. It, but isn't that a thing of beauty? A bouncy ball made isn't of rubber it? bands? Well, it is until it's out of control. <laughs> you know, you talk, it's a similar argument for nuclear energy, really. <laughs> Could it be good until it's out of control? Mm. And off the back of that parallel with nuclear energy, we can only assume that it is evil. The elastic band must go. Amazing. I think. I was trying. I, I, mean, I, I, mean, I, I was, was trying. I'm going to give you the point. I don't think we can argue with lived experience here. I think lived it's very important. Yes. <laughs> but that does leave us on a 3 2 finish to Ruth. So yeah. congratulations, okay. Ruth. Well, I appreciate that. Thank, thanks so much for the charity point at the end where there I was no danger of me winning. I'll tell that. They call it in sport the consolation goal. There you go. Yeah, I've got it. So, Ruth, you are here primarily to talk to us about environmental justice and not just about um, the, your positive experiences of shooting people with elastic bands. <laughs> um, so let's take a look at that. Now, there are quite a few different Christianity-inspired responses to environmental issues. I wondered if you could talk us through some of the ones you might have experienced or heard about and how they can be helpful or flawed. So we've heard some people say, oh, you know, God gave us the earth and we can do what we want with it or it's all going to be destroyed, so why bother doing anything about it? Or other people who feel that, you know, we have this massive responsibility and it's this huge burden and it causes anxiety. Have you come across uh, these and how do you respond to them? Yeah, I'm, I've I've come across all of those and, and other responses too. So the kind of ones that you're referring to have a more negative, these are reasons why we shouldn't be looking after this world. Um, uh, and and I can get into some of the bits around that. And then there are also responses where people are, have figured, yeah, actually we should as Christians. Um, so then, so how do we get our heads around that and, and how do we think about that? And Stewardship is a word that's mm. often used mm. in relation to that. Um, all of those different, particularly the neg if I think about the negative ones, all of those for me come come from a basic flaw of not understanding God as creator and not understanding how God thinks about this world and what his view is of it. So sometimes in our faith, we can focus on 
the on God as saviour, which is absolutely right, of course. But we forget that before God is saviour, fundamentally, God is creator. Mm. And so this yeah. world that we live in has been created by God. Mm. And Genesis 1.31 tells us that he looks at this world and says it's very good. Mm. So the idea that it's going to be destroyed, so why should we bother, or that we've just been put in this earth to do what we want with it, or that it's, you know, it's fine, but it's not a priority. None of those really come from an understanding of how God looks at this world. Mm. And the scriptures are full of this world being amazing and good and abundant and teeming with life. And through the, the Psalms and the Proverbs and the prophetic literature, yeah. you see that God is intimately involved with this world. He loves it and is taking care of it. In Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20, you see that this isn't just an Old Testament thing. This is mm. right at the heart of, of Christ. This is Christocentric. So this world was made by Jesus and for Jesus and through Jesus. So as followers of Jesus, we want to take care of that which is so valuable and precious to Jesus. Mm. So all of those negative views really don't understand how how much God values and loves what he has created. Mm. Um, and then there are a variety of kind of more positive ways of looking at our response to environmental issues. The Probably the, the, the classic one is around stewardship mm. and we are stewards of this world. And that's sort of okay, but actually I have a bit of a problem with it. One, because the, world, the Bible actually never tells us we are stewards of this world. So I don't really understand why as Christians we've got so hung up on that mm. word. It's not a word that's used in the Bible. So it seems strange to me that we're so fixated with it. It actually comes from an understanding of us as being um, like managers of an estate. Um, and it can lead to us having quite a separate view, seeing humans as quite separate to the rest mm. of creation. And therefore, it can, can lead to an unhelpful sort of hierarchy, whereas scripturally, we are part of the community of creation. Mm. So I, I personally, I don't ever talk about stewardship. I just talk about how we are placed in this world to take care of it and to look after it and to be God's representatives yeah. here, his image bearers. I, I like that a lot. And the, the scriptures talk about um, the, the creation and how man is over it. There, there's, and, and that's been taken out of context and pulled mm. this way and that way. But there's no any time I see authority or responsibility in the Bible is to do with great care mm. and great love and to and to look after and so I think um I think we can the disassociation you're talking about is really really important like we're above it and we'll look after it when we get around to it well mm. that for me anything that's got authority on it you are responsible you're part of it you're part of the making sure it's doing well so um yeah, really, I'm loving what you're saying there about that. Yeah, and mm. the, we have sometimes got hung up around the word dominion. You know, what does it mean to have yeah, dominion over right, and yeah, to rule yeah. over? 
But then I think, well, have a look at what, exactly as you've been saying, what God's understanding is of ruling. And so look at the kind of words that he spoke to his kings and to the rulers of Israel. Mm. He expected them to behave with love and justice and compassion. One of the key traits of the kings is that they would be taking care of the widow and the Mm. orphan, looking after the stranger. Ultimately, being a ruler in God's values is about being a servant. So we are here to be the servant rulers Mm. of the rest of what God has made rather than kind of lording it over it. It Sounds a lot like... um Jesus to me there, yeah. you know, what, what a surprise. <laughs> yeah, come yeah. to serve. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Amazing. So what does that look like then practically, if that's the concept behind it, what do we do about it? Mm. Apart from a massive burden of, yeah. you know, it, it's huge, isn't it? Like, so the climate anxiety of the young people is massive mm, now. It is. I never had that growing up. Yeah. I was hoping I just didn't get caught for a few things. That was my major anxiety. But they are growing up worried mm. about their environment. So on the one hand, the greater conversation is happening and the message is getting through. On the other hand, what can we do? Is it futile? That message is also getting through as as well. Um, and I, did, <laughs> when I've branched into bits of comedy, I did do a little bit on your bag for life and whether you know where, the, where your first bag for life is. <laughs> and really, have you let that bag down? And is it somewhere going, I thought we were going to be for life, (laughs) you know? I've got about 50 bags for life at home. And so I don't know. It's definitely helped, doesn't it? But I think it's great what Louise is asking, just moving us on, like, what can we do? Um, What do you think about that? Yeah, and it it is a huge issue. And your point about young people, I'm Mm. meeting that a lot now as I travel around and speak. um, Really meet either meeting young people or people who work with young people who are saying that there is a lack of hope and a wow. sense of uh, complete overwhelm because my daughters are coming through at an age where they look to the future and they, they literally do not know what it's going to look like wow. because what they do know is that the climate crisis is going to devastate it, but mm. quite what it looks like they don't know. One piece of encouraging news is that if we look at all the climate promises that have been made by our governments around the world, together they do add up to keeping us below 1.5. So we have the promises there to do what we need to do. The issue, of course, is getting from promise to action and reality. And that's where we come in because we can use our voices and we can stand up and we can get on the streets and we can pray and we can petition and we can write to our MP and Mm. write to our government. And all of us can use our voices to say, we want you to turn your promises into action. We need to keep below 1.5 degrees of warming and we need you to commit. Not only they've committed to that, we need you now to carry out the actions that will get us there. So it is all still to play for. And that's my main message to young people. Uh, But we need to work together to see that happen. So there's a big role for us in campaigning and in calling on governments Mm. and businesses to act. And then, of course, there's also all the stuff that we can do in our own lives to take responsibility and to make a difference as well. One thing that I think is astounding is that an average person in the UK takes about six days to consume 
what an average person in Malawi consumes in a year. So we kind of think our consumer levels are normal. (laughs) And then you compare them to others and you realise, oh, maybe they're not. So this isn't about putting loads of guilt on us because it's our governments that have got to make the big changes. Mm. But it is also saying, actually, maybe there are some things that I can do in my own life as well. And that's not out of a sense of duty or burden. It comes from a sense of wanting to live in a way that honours our lord of all creation yeah for me it's it's simply part of my worship and part of my discipleship Mm. so it's not a it's not an awful hair shirt kind of mentality (laughs) actually it's something really positive that i love doing we don't well you're not dressed like john the baptist um, well that's good so that's you know (laughs) you haven't seen my knickers <laughs> and then you spoke of like a true passion. I think I'm inspired. Now, should I be going and gluing myself to a bus? Is that, you know, is that the kind of same kind of using my voice thing? And yeah. What are your thoughts around that? I suppose we're not asking you to, to make an ethical decision either way, but what do you think about that? It's, it's certainly raised the conversation. Yeah, yeah it has. Yeah. Um, I would certainly not be against you going and gluing yourself to something. Um, I wouldn't recommend a bus because a bus is actually quite a positive (laughs) Now, when you say you, do you mean me, Andrew, or do you mean the listener as well? Uh, (laughs) A lot of people would like to see me glued to a bus, really. (laughs) No, but in all seriousness, when we look back over history, there is a long tradition of radical civil disruption and dissent within the Christian faith. Mm. You know, you go right back to the early Christians. They were a subversive minority. Paul's words in Romans 13 about obeying the government, obeying the state. Remember, he was in prison when Mm. he wrote those. So we need to think about the context Mm. of that. Um, Civil disruption, you see all the way through in the Old Testament, some of what Jeremiah did and Ezekiel and and so on. And through Christian history with um, some of the, the Catholic priests influenced by liberation theology or the the Quakers, the Salvation Army, you look at some of what some of the radical things that they did, the kind of things that we are seeing mm. XR and others like them doing actually isn't that far from some of the, th- the sorts of actions we've seen in the past from mm. Christians who have stood up against injustice and stood up against social injustice. Mm. So it's not to say it's always right, um, and I do think people need to make their own decisions around that. But I do think it's, it's not always wrong. Very good. Mm. Mm. So what do you do then with this kind of feeling that there's always more you can do, like it's never quite enough? Because not everybody is going to go and glue themselves to a pavement. Um, and sometimes it's hard to think, have I even got time to write like all of these letters to different, yeah. different yeah. people? And So what, how do you find a balance I think we've all got to do what we can um, within recognising that we've all got, we're we're all in different circumstances, all got different situations, all got different levels of responsibility and care for those who are around us. And we've all got different budgets as well. So there are are things from that perspective that we can and can't do. The main thing for me is is that we're all doing something and that we're all thinking about what impact do my actions have? So if I buy this product, where has it come from? Who has been harmed or helped in it? Mm. What resources have been used? Is it something that I really need? 
could maybe you could set aside one evening a quarter where you do some letter writing to MPs or to governments, businesses, what have you. You know, that doesn't take up so much time. You can join a few particular organisations like Tier Fund that will give you the resources and give you the help that you need. But I think the really important thing for me in all of this is that we do live under grace. So this is not about guilt and feeling completely guilty. You, you know, you'd only have to come to my house for half an hour to see that I'm not perfect. Oh, <laughs> half an hour is pretty good. <laughs> 15 minutes. Yeah, you've set yourself quite a high bar there. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I, my motto is many little steps in the right direction. That's a great and that's motto. what I do, and some occasional big ones. Yeah. But many little steps in the right direction. You know, we live in a mm. fallen world and we're never going to get everything perfect. And mm. that's okay. Let's not worry about the things that we can't do. Well, let's focus on what we can do. Mm. Yeah, well, um, so one of the reasons it's probably not on the agenda is um, distraction. Um, and we're living so distracted. And so mm. I do think from your theological stand, the idea of stopping and reflecting is quite scary for a lot of us. So in my experience as a pastor, we find uh, a lot of people find it very hard to stop. Um, but in that reflection, in that time there, maybe the idea of personal worship coming through, you know, um, is quite powerful. Do you, do you find that actually a lot of people are just too distracted? Or, I think in the old management matrix it's felt like the climate has been important, not urgent, mm. for years. And now it's important and urgent and might be, might be beyond help, a bit like the fridge that I've ignored in my garage <laughs> for a long time, you know. Um, and so I just wonder, is that what you come across or is it a different atmosphere now? Are people really taking it you know, seriously? I think it's a whole mixture. Some yeah. uh, people are responding in different ways. I do understand that it can be hard to take the climate crisis seriously because it's not currently impacting us as immediately sure. as it is other people. Yeah. So there are millions of people for whom the the climate crisis is a reality and has been for years. So at Tier Fund, we hear every day how the climate crisis is devastating the lives of people living in poverty. Yeah. And we, we're not, by and large, we're not really seeing that. So it can be hard to take immediate action. In uh, You compare that to the pandemic. Yeah. You know, the pandemic was a crisis. It mm. was an emergency. We felt it, we perceived it. And we acted. Yeah. Now, that gives me hope that if we can understand an emergency, we have seen that actually we can respond. Yes. We can completely change how we live in mm. a way that two years ago was just unbelievable, inconceivable. Yeah. But we can do it. Just a thought yeah. on that. And you mentioned the, the pandemic. I read on Facebook, so it's got to be true. It's okay. got to be true. Um, I read on Facebook um, the idea that the world in that time where we shut down, planes weren't in the skies, mm. people, was, it began to heal. Yeah. In your position, is there any truth in that? Is that hope for the future? Um, yeah, yeah, there is some truth in that. And we saw some remarkable things ah. of uh, areas of land coming back to life, um, areas of, sort of cities with wild creatures, Coming yes. back in, yeah. I mean, some really um, and air pollution. There were some staggering wow. pictures showing places like Delhi 
of before, sort of a week before the pandemic, yes, yeah. a week into the pandemic, <laughs> you yeah. know, the difference in air pollution, mm. which is just crazy because air pollution is so bad for us. So why would we want to to live in that way? Mm. So, yes, there was some immediate healing Wow. The, uh, the and CO two emissions dropped and so on. The the problem is that now we're back on track. We're getting ourselves back on track again. Yeah. And so everything is back up. All our CO two emissions are back up to pre pandemic levels, and we're mm. it, you know everything is there. So it's like we haven't learnt the lessons. Yeah. And I think there were there were some really good things in the midst of all the hardship. Yeah. There was. There was some real beauty mm. in terms of how we did community, looking after each other, the going for walks, families getting out on their bikes rather than going to the shops. You know, there was so much loveliness. Yeah. And and I think we've missed making some decisions mm. around some, some of those aspects that we could have kept. But we're too quick to jump back in, get back into the shops and... Um, I definitely relate to what you're saying about the animals because that lovely bit of canal we came along earlier, mm. the geese absolutely had mob rule in that area. You could not walk through. Like, it was not safe. <laughs> so it's been quite refreshing being able to walk around outside again without being threatened by geese. But definitely some of those other points are my, less positive. Yeah, my favourite were those sheep that were on um, on the oh, playgrounds in yes. Wales. Oh, yes. Were spinning around, like, you know, getting stuck in the child swings as well, like we do as humans, those poor sheep. Maybe that was just sped up evolution. Like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe it could have been the sheep. It's just that we had thumbs. I yeah. don't know. Oh, dear. <laughs> I don't even know where we were going there. Okay, Ruth, you were talking about thinking um, when we're doing things and buying things about mm. where they come from. So maybe we can think about a couple of things on a practical level, mm. things that we actually do and buy um, and where they come from. Yeah. Mm. Well, we've thought about that a little bit already. With the cars. With the car and the rubber bands. There's so much. I mean, that really was an environmental discussion. Yeah. Around that. (laughs) Isn't everything an environmental discussion? (laughs) It is, because we live within the environment. Come on now. Nothing exists without (laughs) the environment. (laughs) Everything is valid. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to put, I think we're going to put on the title of this, Ruth has all the answers. (laughs) Where to get your ethical trainers? Where to? Yeah. Where to I shop, do where not, not to, have all the answers. You don't. Oh. I can remember speaking at a church or speaking at some event, and there was the Q and A afterwards. Someone coming up to me afterwards and saying, "The problem with the kind of thing you do is that you're expected to be a, a brilliant theologian." a top scientist and who understand the ins and outs of boilers and you know on all the technical stuff it's like so I can assure you I don't have all the answers (laughs) and I don't know everything about everything (laughs) what would you say to someone um, perhaps like Lou says though like okay they've heard us and they do need a new top they need to do something yeah you know I'm not asking you to name places to avoid but are there some things we can do? Are there websites you can check out? Yeah. The ethical um, nature of stuff? I've, actually, overall, I think what's helpful is to develop what I call a kind of ethical instinct. Okay. So, so it is really complicated when you look at all the different things, you know, rubber bands, should I buy them? And, you know, all of that <laughs> kind of stuff. Where does it come from? And mm. et cetera, et cetera. Things are complicated. But there are basic questions that we can ask ourselves around where has it come from? what resources have gone into it, who has been involved in growing or rearing or making it, 
how were they paid decently how did it travel and actually once you start looking into these things you begin to get a sense for the kind of thing that's going to be all right and the kind of thing that's going to be harmful and 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 although it's complex you do learn pretty quickly what some of the the main issues are so uh, i would recommend just getting a little bit of knowledge around these things what a good place to start, if you don't mind me saying, is my book, L is for Lifestyle, Very Christian good. Living That Doesn't Cost the Earth. Was that L is for Lifestyle, L Christian Living That Doesn't Cost the Earth? <laughs> yes. Now, where could we find that book online? <laughs> uh, you, can find it very, you can find it anywhere. So, so that is a really practical book that goes through a whole host of different issues. It goes through the alphabet and takes a different issue for each letter. Um, and looks at all sorts of things. And they're both human-centred and earth-centred, you know, a range of different issues. And by reading that, you would get a really good sense as to the kind of things that are harmful or less harmful or even beneficial. So I think it's just kind of getting going, mm. getting some knowledge, and, and then it starts to become fairly obvious. Well, yes, hopefully, hopefully. I'm at I'm the beginning of... Uh my journey and I bought some trainers the other day and they were vegan I was like okay all right look at me and then in my pride I went online you know just to I put, put yeah. in the brand name and I just thought you know look at me I just wanted to pat myself on the back the company got rated not good enough oh. I was like oh I've already worn them in yeah so I better keep them <laughs> yeah but it was interesting because whilst it was vegan um yeah. There were other lots of other factors like you were talking about, which is who's paid what, yeah. uh, and how long this stuff lasts, you know, and, yeah. and, and the craftsmanship, and so there's a lot to consider ethically. Yeah. And you're saying it, it grows, you become more. N- yeah, yeah, it just becomes a kind of it becomes a more natural thing. Gotcha. Uh, uh, so it's about this having an ethical instinct, an ethical right. nose. You kind yeah, of yeah. can tell what sort of things are, are okay. good and not. Right. But uh, another good place to go to for information is the ethical consumer Mm. and they do a hard copy magazine but they also have an online thing and that's really helpful it could have been them i think i've yeah the way you were talking i was thinking that sounds like their kind of checklist so (laughs) the ethical consumer is really useful Mm. clothes and trainers uh, are it is are uh big area and a complicated area Mm. and clothing and trainers I think is a really hard place to get it right because to buy new ethically often does cost quite a bit more so that's where I would say buy less and then when you do buy buy well and buy to keep so let's move away from fast fashion where we've got into this thing that you you can just buy lots of things cheaply all That's the time right, yeah. you know move away from that and uh, and buy second hand obviously mm. you know there's so many good second hand yeah. shops charity shops and online things um so clothing really the, the easiest thing is to buy second hand that's good and a um, bit of wisdom here from a pastor is i thought once i'd finished growing in height you know the phrase oh he'll grow into it but I've now grown out of a few things <laughs> width-wise. Oh. And so if we're buying to keep, just have a little think about that. Yeah. You know, in five years and a couple of Christmases' time, are you going to be... Anyway. Well, maybe the silly. buying to keep, that'll then encourage you on the healthy 
yeah, lifestyle. Well, you, you'd but then think keep... that, wouldn't you? You'd <laughs> yeah. hope that, but no, sadly. Your other option is to find someone smaller who you can pass everything onto. Got so you. this yeah. is one of Chris's t-shirts. Right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that most nice. of my wardrobe is. He's throwing the producer under the bus there. I know. Really just <laughs> and clothes swaps. Do clothes. Yeah. I mean, that's a really nice thing to do as a church, oh, to do a clothes swap event. I'm actually yeah. um, speaking at one in Edinburgh at the weekend. Are you really? Yeah, big city centre church there is doing Friday night clothes swap. Brilliant. Now, yeah. it's important to say that people don't swap clothes, they bring a bag of yeah. clothes. Yeah, they don't just take their clothes <laughs> Good. off. Okay, important. And swap yeah, them. yeah. Because at yeah. the end of the night, you could be left with no trousers yeah. saying, but it didn't yeah. work out for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, I got you. <laughs> All right, we've talked a lot about clothes and we are running out of time. But we do want to cover a couple of other topics. So let's do some quick fire questions. Oh, come on now. Quick fire round. <laughs> so first one, fruit and veg. Do I buy organic or do I buy wonky? Yeah, it's a great question. With food, I'm actually not going to answer and just say some other bits <laughs> <laughs> around food. But all of that is important, organic and wonky. And, and all of that actually highlights our food system that we're a part of. And I get a veg box have done for 25 years or so and love all the veg that I get in there and now find it quite depressing when I'm in the supermarket seeing all these rows of perfect looking fruit and oh vegetables and I think mm. why are they so perfect well I know why because all the ones that weren't perfect have been thrown away when they were very edible mm. when it comes to thinking about our food the biggest thing that we can do is have a predominantly vegetable and grain-based diet. So uh, I'm not saying everybody has to go vegetarian or vegan, though some people listening to this will, will want to do that. Mm. The key thing is that we're really reducing the amount of meat and dairy that we consume. Mm. So we maybe might just have meat once a week or something and then a small amount of meat. And then if you do still want to eat meat or, and dairy, when you do, then buy from places where you're supporting farmers that really care about and are looking after their livestock well. So food-wise, that's the biggest thing that we can all do. Very Eat good. less meat. Amazing. What we're learning here is Ruth Valerio, incredibly intelligent and well thought out on everything and wonderful at many things. Quick fire questions, not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Fail. She is that theologian. She is that activist. She is all of these great things. I'll try harder. <laughs> all right. Uh, moving on from food, more globally, what products are truly cheap, including their externalities, so their external costs? Oh, flip. All, all products <laughs> are truly cheap and, um, when their externalities are not factored in. Mm. And that's why we live in a, in a highly consumer society where we can buy T-shirts for 50p mm. and whatever else it is that we buy because we don't factor in the true, cro the true cost of the products. Mm. Oh, well. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, watch out. There we go. So everything has too many externalities. <laughs> All right. A final question, and this one is extra important. Okay. What is the environmental impact of lesbian vampires in space? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it depends how they got into space, um, what sort of fuel they used, um, what sort of clothes they're wearing. <laughs> if they're wearing any clothes, maybe it's less if they're not wearing any, but we might not want to go down there. Um, what sort of food they're eating... Um, and so on and so on. Can I just say one final thing? Absolutely. And that is that, to stress again, 
that none of this is about putting guilt on people, yeah. and particularly good. people listening who are on a lower income mustn't yeah. feel, oh, I can't afford to do this. Um, and generally, the lower a person's income, the less impact they're having on the environment and the less emissions they're producing. Not always, but often. Mm. Um, and this this isn't always just about swapping one product for another. Actually, it's about reframing how we do things and doing things differently. Great. So if you're buying less things and buying things secondhand, eating less meat, eating more fresh fruit and veg and so on, actually that costs that kind of life costs less mm. than a conventional yeah. life. So there's a there's a lot of sort of financial stuff to think about I, in this as well. Obviously, as a pastor, my heart there, just when you said it's not about... <clears throat> I mean, I feel so guilty, all the plants in my house that need watering. You know, I've got enough guilt, and that's 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 low-level guilt, isn't it? <laughs> but those, those who have got the struggles and are working through, I think that's really good to say. It's not about that. And Yeah, um, yeah thanks for saying that. I actually have a, a theological question. Okay. And um, <clears throat> hopefully... Uh, yeah, so hopefully we can get an answer. The idea that God is making all things new, mm. and some talk about in Revelation, a new earth. Yeah. And some might say, it's a brand new place with streets of gold and things. A brand new yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, a whole new world, a brand new world. <laughs> and then others would say, no, it's going to be here and now, and there's going to be a growth, just like we're a new creation in Christ when we become a Christian. Mm. We, it's the same body, the thinking is renewed, we're transformed. What are your thoughts on that as a theologian and an environmental activist? Yeah. What do you think? Is it possible that both of those are true? Do you lean one way or the other? Yeah. So let me say, firstly, ultimately, we don't know what's going to happen in the end. No. So we can hold very strong opinions about millennialism or this is going to happen or sure. that's going to happen, sure. etc. Ultimately, we don't know. Very and we're good. kind of doing our best guesses from what we see in the scripture. So all of us need to hold this with humility and to say we don't know. Yeah. The second thing is that ultimately where we think the future is headed isn't what our care for this world is based on our care for this world yes comes from that but is based on the fact that god has loves this world that we have and has placed us in it to take care of it and to worship him whatever we think is going to happen in the end but then when we get into the scriptures i don't see the scriptures talking about this world being destroyed and us spending the rest of our days on a floaty heaven somewhere the scriptures talk about the heavens and the earth being renewed. So God, the, the verse you quoted there, wasn't isn't about God saying, I'm going to make a lot of new things. It's I'm going to make all things, i.e. all things now, I'm going to make them new, like, uh, as new. And the, the word for new is about renewal and transformation. So let me... Yeah. Sorry, I'm probably going to talk for too long. No, this is great. Loving this. Let me give you an example. My, I can remember my teenage daughter coming downstairs. She had a T-shirt. She took it upstairs, and then and she came back down and she said, she said, "Look at my T-shirt, Mum. Do you like it? It's new." 
And yeah. it was her old T-shirt, but what she'd done is she'd taken a pair of scissors and she'd done some clever snipping and she'd put some beads on it and so on. And she said, look at my new T-shirt. And that's kind of what's going to happen. This world is going to be renewed and transformed and the heavens and the earth are going to be renewed, transformed. It's not about destruction. Um, and so I think that is really important. But it's also not just about things are going to get better in a kind of utopian way. That's the challenge with the that, The scriptures isn't it? are yeah. really clear that there is a cataclysmic event mm. that will happen. Jesus will return, mm. not in a way that takes us with him somewhere else, but he will return, mm. and there will be a judgment. So I'm not just thinking, oh, everything's going to get better and better. Yeah. The Jesus will return and things will change. Well, that's, that's it, really. So I think, you know, a lot of Christians might lean into thoughts along those lines. Well, it'll all get better in the end anyway, cause... You know, yeah. and, and how they apply these scriptures. So it's, I think it's great what you're saying is we, we've got a responsibility now regardless of yeah. how things end. Yeah. And we can't know how things end. No, um, it's right. So I think that's really good to make that separation. Really. Yeah. But yeah. these are big things and they're complicated yeah. biblical things. Yeah. And if people want to read about that some more, right. I have written about it good. in chapter four of a book called Saying Yes to Life. So, if people, yes. you know, these, these are big things that Christians spend a lot of time thinking about. But re really important, because um, as a pastor, I found that you can have, someone can have such crazy uh, views or opinions, mm. and it's linked to someone who once did kind of half a Bible study on one side of a lens. Yeah. You know, and think, well, the Bible says. It's really important that we, that we have wider biblical conversations, because it affects then how we behave. And like we're talking about today, it affects the environment we live in, and we've been blessed with. Yeah. Amazing. Very insightful questions and answers. Um, while we cannot know how the world will end, we can know how this podcast will Very end. Good. Very <laughs> good. Beautiful segue. I was just, I was waiting for my moment. Um, how it ends is with each of us giving a resource recommendation um, oh. so we can end a little practically there. Uh, Ruth, you've already burnt two of your books. Would you like to recommend another one? <laughs> I have. I would love to recommend my absolute favourite book called Planet Protectors, 52 Ways to Look After God's World, which was, were you going to I was going to say that Aww. one, because I, I haven't written a book on this, you see, and I was going to go, I'll tell you what would be good, and then off you went, well, well tell us about well, it, it's a great book. we it together. Let's do this together. <laughs> yeah, Planet Protectors. So it's for primary school aged children, and I co-wrote it with Paul Carenza, who's a comedian and BBC scriptwriter, and is just brilliant he's so funny so it's illustrated it's quirky it's fun it's challenging um and i'm i'm thrilled with it i love it so if you've got primary school aged children or if you feel like a primary school aged child mentally, yeah planet protectors is the one for you absolutely I, I'm, I'm joining in off the back of that that is where <laughs> i was gonna go um but i would say i, I would say there's no shame in a grown-up picking that up and yeah. beginning to think about these things as well yeah, um, they'll probably. Like, yeah. Oh wow, she's, a, she's, a, she's an amazing host. She's an amazing Christian. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. So yeah, tremendous. I've bought that for a few people actually oh, since nice. I heard your thank talk you. in person a while ago. Starting to sound like a fan now. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. So it's a double recommendation for Planet Protectors. Come on. And I'm just going to say, talk to your friends, find out what they're up to, and yeah. if ten of you are doing one thing each, That's and you cool. all learn each other's things. 
you're all now doing 10 things that ah, are good. Very good. Good so, maths, Louise. I know. Global maths. That primary school age maths <laughs> that I was learning alongside Planet Protectors. Yeah. Um, no, yes, genuinely. It's nice conversations and it's nice to do things together and it's it feels good. So yep. talk to people, have yep. a conversation. Well, thanks. It's been great, hasn't it? I've really enjoyed being on the second one with our wonderful guest, Ruth, as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Hopefully I'll make the third one. Listener, you will find out at the third one. Absolutely. I hope I make it there as well. I hope we do. <laughs> and thank you so much for having me. It's been great to chat. Thank you for coming. You've been a blessing and a joy. Thanks for joining us. If you want to hear more of Ruth, we have an archived live stream of her Science and Faith in the Second City talk, which I'll put in the show notes, along with details of her books and website. Next on our schedule is another Science and Faith in the Second City event, this time with Dr. Sharon Dirks, exploring the question, who am I? Am I just my brain? Join us in person or on the live stream. Details available at scienceandfaith.co.uk. Do subscribe to this podcast channel for future trips to the Thought Bar and you can contact us on Instagram at nowtheresathought or email us at nowthereisathought at gmail.com.